Talk to my friend Drew. And Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. The Democrats are more upset by Liz Cheney losing uh, the Republican nomination in Wyoming than they ever were about the deaths of 13 American service members in the suicide bombing outside the Kabul airport. Uh, they're, they're outraged, apoplectic. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch what's going on. I mean, she was defeated, um, fired by the people of Wyoming. But, but you know, it's not enough to describe what happened to her as defeat. Because she was routed. And the media's response to her, as I was just alluding to, to her loss, it is just a thing of beauty in this landscape that seems to be uh, perpetually dark. Well, I think it's important to celebrate our wins. Uh, And this is a win, and it does have important ramifications. So I want to spend a little bit of time on this, before I get into some other issues, I'll weave them in for you. Don't worry. This is Drew Allen, by the way. If you're listening to the first time, welcome to the Drew Allen Show. I am the Millennial Minister of Truth, where we are patriotically correct. Now, I, I want to explain and use what happened to Cheney, the media's reaction to her, to also explain who Liz Cheney is, why she did what she did, turning on Trump. Supporting this witch hunt. Uh, because, you know, these people aren't going away. We're defeating them and ridding the Republican Party of them. But, but you know, it's always uh, important to understand why these people do what they do. And all these other people like her that pretend to be conservatives when we know they're not. Because, you know, they've carved out this place for themselves in the power structure of D.C., And they would never be supported if they switched parties. Liz Cheney as a Democrat would not find support because they've already got Democrats. But as a rhino, as a faux Republican, faux conservative, she's a useful idiot to the left. And so she finds favor there. We don't like her. We reject her. But Washington, D.C. and the swamp, they celebrate her. And so it strokes her ego. You know, she'll, she'll... She won't disappear after this, even though I've got an article to tell you in a minute explaining how Republican voters in Wyoming who voted to get rid of her democratically via the election process, well, they're just like the Soviets disappearing their political opposition. You can't make this stuff up. There is a mental illness that has long been sweeping through this nation, but it's very, very clear. It's it's Democrat ideology. It's Democrats and the media. They have a mental illness. Now, part of the reason Liz Cheney does what she does also is, is, you know, it's ideological. And look, the Bushes, the Cheneys, I didn't understand this a long time ago, right? I mean, I was in high school when, when Bush was elected to a second term. And I was really too young, you know, in 2001, uh, well, I was a freshman in high school, you know, when 9-11 happened, so I, I understood the ramifications of that, but I didn't have a grasp at the time. 
in what was really going on in this country. Not with relation to 9-11. That, that's not where I'm going with this. But in terms of this uniparty that you hear about all the time, right? You have Democrats and you have Republicans, but they're really just all the same. Serving one another to retain power. And the Bushes, the Cheneys, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, all these, all these rhinos, Mitch McConnell as well, you know, they represent the old Washington, D.C., right? You can break America modern American history now into pre-Trump and post-Trump. Pre-Trump, we were oblivious to this. We kind of went along with this lie and, and, and we were scammed for a long time and, and to believing that there was actually a difference if we elected Republicans, that they were going to get in there and actually do something, that they had principle, but they didn't. Donald Trump exposed that. But in the past, and still, what you're seeing with the rhinos you know, they're all on the same team. They use each other to fundraise off of and retain power for themselves, as I said. And look, I mean, look at the history. Have Republicans solved many problems in this country? No. No, they never do, right? Republicans haven't solved many problems for the same reason Democrats don't solve problems. The only difference is that Democrats create most of these problems. And the Republicans then pretend to be upset. And, and, Look, Republicans need those problems to exist just as much as Democrats, so they have something to run on, run against. Oh, the southern border is being invaded. Democrats run on the issue as, you know, uh, an issue of compassion. We need to let these people in. And we all know why, the, why they want them here. I'll get into a story there. Five million illegal immigrants have entered this country since Joe Biden entered the Oval Office. But anyway, the Democrats, you know, they, they support an open border essentially, right? And Republicans run on, well, we've got to do something about this. This is wrong. We've got to protect our southern border. But what happens when they get in there? Nothing happens. Nothing happens. In fact, the Democrats win. You know, it's a slow creep. But that's how they play off of one another. The Democrats need issues, need problems to run on, to fix. And Republicans need those same issues to run on. That's how both parties have actually uh, structured themselves. Now, okay, so this report, there's 5 million illegals who have entered America under Joe Biden. That is more people than the populations of many states. More people than in Los Angeles. That is an invasion. I mean, when you take people who share nothing in common with America, who don't even speak the same language as us, and you put more of them in the city of Los Angeles than there are Americans, well, what happens? That city is something else. And this country becomes something else. Now, these people are coming here to be beneficiaries of the welfare state. They come here with nothing. They leave everything behind because they know that the Democratic Party promises to take care of them. And that's antithetical to America. Now, when you import a bunch of Individuals who are looking to the government to save them, to provide for them, to steal our taxpayer dollars, to feed their families. They're coming here for freebies. That's not what America was built upon. Yes, we are all a nation of immigrants. That is certainly true. No one would argue against that. The vast majority of Americans came from elsewhere. But we have brought the best and the brightest 
We have always had this capitalistic system by which hard work and competition led to innovation and wealth creation. And the government uh, was not this all-powerful being that we look to for anything, for, for a vast majority of our history. Not until really, I mean, it's, it's been incremental, but, you know, it was FDR's New Deal that put us on this current trajectory that flipped the relationship between the American citizen and the government, right? We, the people, are master, and the government is servant. Well, the, the government, those in government, those in power, the Democratic Party especially, they do not believe that. They want a permanent, uh, well, they want to be the permanent ruling class, and they want a permanent class of citizens that depend upon them, that they can rule over. And that's why they're bringing them here. If you want to destroy a nation, the most expeditious way to do so is to overwhelm the country with people who share nothing in common. Look, we were all immigrants, but we came together and built this, right? We were unified by our belief in the Constitution and the rule of law. And the people that are coming here have no attachment to that. They're not loyal to America. And this is how they destroy America. When there are more people here who are not American than are Americans, is that country America? When you bring 5 million illegals here from third world countries who don't know our history, I mean, this is the thing too, right? On the one hand, the Democrats have taken over the public education system, right? Used the teachers' unions as their tools, their instruments, and they do not teach American history anymore. So even Americans who grow up here don't respect or revere America. They turn on America. They think there's something wrong with America. And now they're importing people as well who also don't know American history don't appreciate America, don't understand what's made it great. And so the purpose of this is to overwhelm you and me, those of us who actually stand firm, who understand our history, and who believe in America. So they get us young, and they turn us against America, and then they bring in other people who are also not going to be supporters of America and what it represents. And eventually, they outnumber us. Yes, it's about bringing them in and giving them the ability to vote as well. But this is how you destroy a country. So anyway, the Republicans, right, in the past, they come along and they say, vote for us. We're going to end this nightmare, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the border crisis or whatever. And they never get anything done. They say, oh, the Democrats are holding this up. You know, we, 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 we've got to find common ground here. We've got to compromise, and it's always the Republicans who compromise. This is a game, and we've gotten played for so long. And this is what's important. This is why I said there's pre-Trump and post-Trump. Pre-Trump, you know, we, we all looked at this, and, and we accepted this game. Most of us didn't even understand that it was going on. We were naive. And Trump comes along, and he actually does something about all of these problems. He's actually going to fix them. And this scares the crap out of the establishment. He can't come in and fix this stuff. And this is imperative to understand about the kind of root 
of the hatred and opposition to Donald Trump, about why the left hates him so much, why Liz Cheney hates him so much too. Now, as I said, it's developed into a mental illness, but at the root of this animosity is that Trump wouldn't play by their rules. They could not control him. He actually wanted to get things done. And if he fixed things, all the Republicans who were these career politicians, well, they were outed. They just wanted to pretend to fix these problems. Trump was going to make them actually do it, vote on it. And this disrupted the D.C. game where these Republicans and Democrats had agreements. They were playing golf together. They were having dinner together. It was just theater for all of us. Republicans were about optics, not results. And now, post-Trump Americans understand that we've been getting played. And we are acting on this. We are awake. And Liz Cheney represents that. She proves to the left that the game is up, to the rhinos that the game is up. Liz Cheney won 70% of the vote in 2018, and she only got about 30% in 2022. She lost to her opponent, who was Trump-backed by nearly 40 points. And the thing is, she is the eighth House Republican who voted to impeach Trump over January 6th who has been defeated. Eight out of ten have been defeated and rejected resoundingly by Republicans. We've had enough. We're done. We are sending people to Congress who are not going to play by these rules anymore who are not going to play by this game and who are actually going to get things done. And so the Republican Party is actually finally becoming a threat. And that's a good thing, a threat to the Democratic Party, a threat to the rhinos, a threat to the swamp. And these 8 out of 10 House Republicans who have had their political careers ended, well, they represent the draining of the swamp on the Rep- of the Republican Party. And that's the thing. That scares them to death because, look, conservatism wins. The problem is too many Republicans do not espouse conservatism. They don't explain to people. They don't take action. because So Americans never really reap the benefits of what conservatism represents, of what it actually creates, how it benefits the American citizen's life. Now, I want to explain a little bit more about what drives these never-Trumpers. There's this article in the Washington Examiner that I came across today. It's an opinion piece. Somebody named Quinn Hillier wrote it. And here's the headline. Conservatives should condemn Trump's imperial ex-presidency, not abet it. Now, Hillier claims to be a veteran conservative, and he thinks he's speaking for us. He's as arrogant and out of touch as the Democrats. Now, he's not a conservative, only nominally, but in essence, to summarize his column, I mean, let's look at the headline again. What is this Democrat propaganda talking point? Imperial ex-presidency? It's the Democrats who are imperial. Now, to summarize, you know, you and I, conservatives out there, those of us who are, you know, voting to get rid of Liz Cheney, for example, well, you know, we're enabling and excusing Trump's inexcusable behavior. And he makes this ridiculous argument, straw man argument, essentially. You know, he says, you know, if, if the Democrats had done what Trump did, we'd be condemning it. Well, Trump didn't do anything, uh, Hillier. And, 
Of course we condemned the Democrats and nothing ever happened to them. Where was Hillier condemning them? He goes on to defend Obama, defend uh, Hillary Clinton in this piece. And he claims to be a conservative. No, no, he just sees an opportunity for himself because we don't like him and reject him because he's a coward and without principles. But the left will celebrate him. He can make money in this niche that he's carved out for himself like Liz Cheney and Kinzinger. He'll be loved by the leftist propagandist media. And so he says what they want him to say because this is a unique position, right? Oh, this is a conservative condemning Trump. Look at this. Look at this. And they can go and quote him. Even conservatives are tired of Trump. No, no, no. This guy's not a conservative. That's like me saying, yeah, you know, I'm a Democrat and I am appalled by the actions of the Democratic Party. Now, I'd be right to say that, but I'm not a Democrat, but I'd be filling the niche, right? You need the storyline. Democrats turning on Joe Biden. Well, that's already happening. But anyway, you know, he, he says that Trump fans said lock her up about Hillary Clinton with regards to her email scandal. And so I guess he's saying that we should be calling for Trump to be locked up too, except Trump didn't do anything wrong. Now, bear with me. I want to read this kind of a snippet here. He says, conduct this thought experiment. What if precisely equivalent documents in precisely equivalent numbers had been kept despite repeated denials by ex-president Barack Obama? Every single Trump fan in the country would be braying for Obama's arrest, and millions of them would be suggesting Obama had behaved not just wrongly and recklessly, but treasonously. Treasonously? Uh, treason is what's going on at the border. Uh, treason is what's going on with the Democrat Party targeting Donald Trump, inventing another crime. What about Trump-Russia collusion? Hillier? Any comments about that or quid pro quo impeachment? Any comments about that? You know, this is the thing. They act like the Democrats have never done anything wrong and that Trump is, has uniquely done something wrong. And of course, the things they're accusing Trump of doing, he didn't even do. They're blowing it up. They're rewriting history. But this guy claims to be a conservative. He's a useful idiot to the left. He matters to them, not to us. He goes on and says, you know, if Obama had essentially fomented a violent incursion into the Capitol, every conservative alive would have wanted him punished. If Al Gore in 2000 had done with electoral votes what Trump wanted Mike Pence to do, and with far, far more justification for doing so, the predecessors of MAGA world would have demanded his arrest and trial. Um, so he says a lot there. One, with Al Gore, he says that Al Gore had more justification. More justification. By the way, do you know that in Florida, DeSantis, uh, his Justice Department there, I'll have to find the story, but I think they just arrested uh, 20 plus Democrats in the state who have been found uh, guilty of lawless behavior in the 2020 election in Florida. Now, the Democrats will say, even though they actually committed a felony, we are persecuting. Just wait for it. That'll be the spin if it's not already, not already out there. We are, you know, targeting Democrats. No, they broke the law. 
MAGA, you, you know, and they just, they try to ridicule us. They call us Trumpsters, MAGA world. But it's not working anymore. We flip it back in their faces and we celebrate it, you know. But anyway, you know, here he is rewriting history. And, and look, now Trump is, is trolling the Democrats now, and this is the key to all of our success going forward. The Democrats have long understood that ridicule is one of the most potent weapons we have against our opponents because it takes us off balance and we cannot easily defend ourselves against it. So I love what Trump's doing here. So he's going around endorsing Democrats. And it's brilliant because, look, by endorsing them, he's pointing out how foolish they are, how corrupt they are. I'll give you an example. Dan Goldman is running as a Democrat for Congress. And it's uh, New York's uh, 10th district there. And, and Goldman, you have to understand, he was the top counsel, the lead counsel in the quid pro quo impeachment back in 2019. So he's a political hack. And Donald Trump tweeted out, I guess, on Truth Social, Goldman will be very compassionate and compromising to those within the Republican Party and will do everything possible to make sure they have a fair chance at winning against the radical left Democrats who he knows are destroying our country. I would like to thank Dan for fighting so hard for America and for working so tirelessly to stop Trump. He was not easy to beat. But winning against him made me realize just how very talented I am. And the left is, is losing their minds over this. You know, they can't tolerate it. They don't know what to do with it, which is so funny about it. They can't make sense of it because they don't have a sense of humor. And, and, and they're just utterly at a loss with how to deal with this. Because comedy, humor, it's, it's based in truth. And it's disarming because it's funny. And that's why they want to cancel all the comedians and everything else, because it's very effective. Now, you know, the, the communists here are calling us communists. Now, this is in regard to Liz Cheney as well. This is, this is hilarious, I think. So Time has a headline out there in response to Liz Cheney getting shellacked and rejected by the Wyoming Republican voters. And the headline is, the GOP just borrowed a Soviet skill and disappeared Liz Cheney. This is what I was alluding to in the beginning of the show. So here's what they write. It's not just the Soviets who are masters of disappearing someone. Just look at Wyoming, where voters this week drubbed a former senior member of the Republican establishment out of office on orders from former President Donald Trump. Liz Cheney lost her bid for renomination by a stunning 37 points after daring to hold Trump accountable for his role in the January 6th attack. I'm telling you, th this has them shaking. They are so scared by this because they fear that Trump will be good on his promise. Republicans will be good on their promise to actually investigate the real perpetrators, which are the Democrats. And look, all their analogies, you notice, with the Republican Party, they're always Soviet-related, Russia-related, they're so uncreative. That's all they have. So we've disappeared. Has anyone... Liz Cheney has not disappeared. The Democrats are propping her up like never before. And Liz Cheney, by the way, did you hear her compare herself to Abraham Lincoln in losing? Now, when Trump compared himself to Lincoln for actually doing things for blacks in this country, he was ridiculed. But yeah, Liz Cheney, she's just like Abraham Lincoln. Okay.
So speaking of insanity, <laughs> Liz Cheney's Abraham Lincoln. Uh, speaking of derangement, Trump derangement syndrome, the never Trumpers, the arrogance of the left. Uh, I, I, I want you, look, I've been trying to explain the left for a long time, right? Uh, I, I mean, that, that, that's what I've tried to do. Help, help people understand what drives these radical ideologues. And now there is a clip. There is a Democrat who perfectly defines what a Democrat believes, how dangerous their ideology is. Now, his name is Sam Harris. Uh, He's an author, an atheist. He's a big leftist, a big-time Democrat. And uh, I'm going to play this clip for you. I think I've got—it's a little over a minute. I want you to listen to it all because you will get— a rare, well, it's becoming less and less rare, but but it's it's in one minute, it perfectly explains who Democrats are, how deranged they are, how authoritarian they are, how amoral they are, and how misguided they are. They're dangerous. All right, here's Sam Harris. I mean, Hunter Biden, at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had... had the corpses of children in his basement, I would not have cared, right? It's like, it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden, right? It's not, it's like, it's not Joe Biden. But even if Joe, like, even the, whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is, like, if, you, if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and, and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else, right, or China, it is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in. It's like, it's like, it's like a firefly to the sun, right? I mean, like, there's just, it doesn't, even, it doesn't even stack up against Trump University, right? Trump University as a story is worse than anything that could be in, in Hunter Biden's laptop, in my view, right? Now, that's not, that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's Twitter account. Like that, that's a, just a conspiracy, that's a left-wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely it was, absolutely, right? But I think it was warranted, right? Well, there you have it, right? The ends justifies the means. So because they hate Trump so much, because they don't like him so much, there is nothing they aren't willing to do to defeat, defeat him, prevent him from having a political career, a future, because why? They hate him. I mean, you know, Hunter Biden could have dead people, you know, in his basement, or Joe Biden could kill somebody, uh, and it wouldn't matter. It would all pale in comparison, you know, to, to what Trump is responsible for. And, and, of course, Trump hasn't committed any crimes, hasn't done anything. And so this is invented in their minds Trump-Russia collusion wasn't real. Quid pro quo wasn't real. J6 insurrection incitement wasn't real. You know, now they're trying to paint Trump as some kind of spy who was going to give away nuclear confidential information to our enemies. I mean, these are absurd fantasies in their minds that they are using to justify their illegal, unprecedented, amoral actions. He admits, he says, you bet, he's proud that the left covered up, didn't cover, lied about the Hunter Biden laptop. 
the 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 conservatives on the right they said that was a a, a uh, you know what did he say a um, you know a left wing conspiracy to prevent Trump from being elect elected and to protect Joe Biden and he says you bet it was you're darn right it was you think these people wouldn't cheat to put Joe Biden in office he's just admitted that there's nothing they will not do to defeat Trump and. Violence is on the table. You know, the persecution of anyone around him. I mean, this is dangerous. This is the attitude of 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 authoritarians. And, and you know, I was I was on a radio show just before I, I sat down to do my own podcast. And, you know, I was being interviewed about this very thing. And, and what I said, which I want to repeat here to you, which I think is important, is this is not some minority of the Democratic Party that thinks this way. This is how Democrats think. They are arrogant. They believe they are above the law. They are authoritarians. And they look down on everyone else. They view themselves as the intellectual elite. And this is a trait. You know, I have had friends that I went to high school with. They're not friends of mine anymore. And this, you know, that was a warning sign, right, in 2020. You you can't be friends with you because, you know, you don't spout out the Democrat talking points about COVID and and you're voting for Trump, so you're evil. This is what this attitude leads to. But even in high school, these people that used to be my friends before the landscape changed, or at least the atmosphere changed, and the Democrats basically created this environment in which they painted non-Democrats as evil people that they couldn't be associated with. But I remember having conversations with one of these individuals in high school, and he said to me, you know, a lot of people out there are too stupid to run their lives, essentially. I mean, now he was talking about certain races as well, because these people are notorious racists as well. But the point was, he believed that he was smarter than everyone else and that we needed to tell people what to do because they couldn't be trusted to make their own decisions because they're a bunch of morons and he's smart. And so this person who used to be my friend, he believed that, you know, he should be in charge, right? He should tell them what to do because they don't have the right because they're not smart enough or talented enough or the right skin color or have the right background or education background and so on and so forth to think for themselves. And that's where this leads, and it's very dangerous. Uh, Now, there's another story, if I can find it here, that plays into this, too, before I get into Joe Biden and marking the anniversary of his botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Um, Well, two things. I guess, one, you know, that same guy that I just played for you in that clip, he's also on his own podcast, which is ironically called Making Sense. Making sense. He thinks he's making sense. He said Osama bin Laden is far less reprehensible personally to me than Trump. Now imagine that. This Osama bin Laden, the mastermind of the 9-11 attacks, which killed 3,000 innocent Americans in the Twin Towers. He views Donald Trump as worse than Osama bin Laden. And that's how Democrats view conservatives, Republicans, Trump supporters. We are worse than Osama bin Laden. Now, Osama bin Laden was tracked down. We went to war to find him and kill him. And so, what won't they do to us if they view us as worse than Osama bin Laden? 
That's Sam Harris. That's Sam Harris. By the way, just because it's on my mind, did you hear what CNN just did? They just fired, ended reliable sources with uh, Mr. Potato Head, Brian Stelter. He's got no show anymore. You're fired. That's it. He's done. He's done. That is glorious. That is glorious. I mean, for CNN to give him the ax now, I mean, look, they're going down the list now. Maybe Don Lemon's next. Don Lemon. But Cuomo's out with his scandals. Potato Head's now out. I mean, I don't know what they're going to have anymore. They're not going to have anybody. But, you know, they didn't have an audience, and capitalism, perhaps, is catching up with them. They've been funding this thing that's a disaster that has basically led to ridicule of the news media itself. I mean, they're all a bunch of propagandists, but CNN, like MSNBC, those are like the two most overt propagandist outfits. Um, well, I, I, I just, you know, I'm going through the reactions from the left now, you know, um, the, 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 you know, Frank Luntz, uh, Frank the Dunce is actually a, a more correct name for him. The guy who said that there was a 100% chance Hillary Clinton was going to win in 2016, and somehow he still goes on the news networks and uh, speaks as if he knows something about anything. Well, um, he's out there promoting this uh, this leftist narrative now, which, which, I mean, it is, it is. So, you know, the left is saying, well, Trump is making millions off the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. And they're talking about fundraising, right? I mean, they're breaking all records right now. All the excitement and energy behind Trump now. And they're responsible for it because they did this raid. And they persecute him. The more they persecute him, the more we stand up and get involved in the fight. So they're saying, you know, oh yeah, yeah, we're, 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 this is representative of, of his constituents who are mobilized by anger. What is the left mobilized by? Anger and hatred. And I look, you get, I get the emails. The Democrat Party has been using the FBI raid. I mean, it was like clockwork, like they knew it was going to happen. The raid happens, and the emails start coming in, fundraising for the Democratic Party in the midterm elections and beyond. Because Trump is so bad, we got to get him. We got to defeat the evil Republicans. They're using this as fundraising. It's just, it's amazing that somebody... Frank the Dunce, these Democrats can just be so out of touch with reality. It's really, really shocking. And and look, I, as someone who loves this country, I am fearful. We we just saw um, uh, Salman Rushdie, right? He wrote a book many, many years ago that upset the Ayatollah of Iran because of the way he portrayed Mohammed and Islam. And the Ayatollah, who's now dead, put out a fatwa, which was a, a edict, which basically said, kill this guy because he didn't like what he said. What do we see ha- happening right now in America and have been seeing for a long time with cancel culture? And so Salman Rushdie, you know, he survived, thankfully. But a homegrown terrorist who I think lived in New Jersey, his, his parents were from somewhere else, but he was born here. He stabbed Rushdie, I think, 10 times. Ten times. This guy wasn't even, I don't think, alive when the Ayatollah put out the fatwa. But that, that look, what is different about the ideology of the Ayatollah who is putting hits on people he disagrees with and the Democrat Party? 
I'm trying to find it now. There was a guy who, who was in the intelligence community, a longtime Democrat, but a, a politician. I mean, somebody in the federal bureaucracy, an intelligence community, high-ranking individual. And he called for, he, he basically suggested that Trump should be executed for this latest hoax. Stay with me. Um, here, I'm going to speak out loud. You can't have silence on here. Who is it that compared um, Trump to Soviet execution? Uh, I'll find it in a minute. But, you, you know, we've heard this all along, right? They compare Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler and, and everyone else. They compare us to that. And it is them who are creating an atmosphere. Look, we had... We just had, not long ago, a Democrat come up from California and try to assassinate, murder Brett Kavanaugh. Who is it that is mobilizing anger and hatred? We're not committing acts of violence. We don't have BLM and Antifa. All they have for us is uh, January 6th, which was like a, I mean, not even as bad as bar fights, but they blew it out of proportion. And they want us to just... You know, and while they, I mean, they're just they they will not stop focusing on it because they're looking at anything they can, creating anything they can to paint us as these insurrectionists. And look at how they sick the FBI and the president of the United States. How they go out after his allies and political his political allies, people in his circle, his family. They want to do that to us. And God forbid they push anybody too far. And there's one act of violence out there. They'll they'll pull a card out of Nazi Germany. And they'll use that to, to, to clamp down on all of our rights. I mean, they, they'll go to martial law. I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if they did that over this. And I just, I don't understand anymore. I guess I can understand it, but I just, I, I'm saddened by it. That so many of our countrymen, Democrats, just sit there and tolerate this. Defend it. I mean, we have the media now admitting that they lied about the Inflation Reduction Act, that it was just a marketing scheme. It was a marketing scheme. The Inflation Reduction Act, they're now calling, you know, the climate bill. And they're saying openly on the news networks, the left-wing propagandist outfits, that, hey, you know, we knew it wasn't going to solve inflation. That's not what it was about. But we needed to get Manchin on board. So Manchin was never one of us. He was never a savior. He was never principled. He just couldn't support Build Back Better because people understood it had already been tarnished. So they just put it in another bill called the Inflation Reduction Act so Manchin could go back to West Virginia and his constituents and say, yeah, I voted for inflation. But it had nothing to do with inflation, and they know it. And they just lied. Even if you, as a Democrat, support the Green New Deal and everything, how is it that you don't have any problem at all with your party lying Labeling a bill intentionally something that it wasn't even intended to accomplish. Lying, saying that it needed to be passed to address inflation, when all along it had nothing to do with inflation. How do you sit there and support that party? I mean, it's just lie after lie after lie. Okay, so I found the story I was looking for. Uh, I think I'd seen it at the Daily Wire earlier. I couldn't find it, but this is from National Review. So it's an ex-CIA chief. Michael Hayden. And he's the one who's implying that Trump should be executed for taking these alleged classified docs. So, 
Hayden uh, responded to this tweet today, Thursday, by this so-called presidential historian, Michael Beschloss, who said that Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, okay, they were Americans who were convicted of spying on behalf of the Soviet Union. Well, they were convicted of forgiving U.S. nuclear secrets to Moscow, and, and because of that, they were executed in June of 1953. Now, Hayden, who served as the director of the National Security Agency and the CIA under Bill Clinton, Bush, Obama. Now, look, he's in all these regimes, right? They never go away. They're lifers. Republican presidents, Democrat presidents, and they're still serving these partisan hacks. So he tweeted out in response to this, sounds about right. Sounds about right. You, you know, here's the thing. You remember not long ago, Kathy Griffin, remember the, the comedian? She posted that picture of her holding a severed Donald Trump head. <clears throat> and she was rightfully actually condemned by the left for it as well. Even they, they, they didn't disagree with it, but they couldn't be viewed as tolerating that. Now look where we are in 2022. This stuff is out there all the time. It doesn't get condemned. It's just said freely, easily by these people. They admit they'll do anything. You have an ex-CIA agent who says, yeah, sounds about right. You know, suggesting that Trump was trying to sell U.S. nuclear secrets to Moscow and he should be executed as well. This is the thing, and that's why I brought up, brought up Rash D. You know, these people want to cancel anybody they disagree with, right? I think uh, Steven Crowder just had an exclusive interview that he posted on YouTube with Carrie Lake, right? The gubernatorial candidate. She just won uh, the nomination in Arizona. And YouTube censored the video. They took it offline. And so he moved it over to Rumble and it's gotten a lot of views. But this is the thing. They disagree with you. They shut you down. And the way they talk about you, it leads to... Vi- Look, violence is the is the kind of natural conclusion of cancel culture. That, that's where it goes. And, you know, this, this demonization really picked up in 2016. It's only gotten worse since then. But, you know, Kathy Gifford, whatever her name is, right, she could do that today and nobody would say anything. They, say, they would say that's fine. And that's how quickly we've devolved and this has been normalized in the, in the country. Um, but, you know, like I said, we had Justice Kavanaugh, violence against him. We had the attempted murder of uh, Lee Zeldin. He's the Jewish GOP candidate running for governor of New York. A guy rushed him while he was given a speech with a knife and was subdued. Even Dave Chappelle was attacked on stage. So they even come for Democrats. But what's different about the ideology, the intolerance of the left, and the intolerance of the Ayatollah Ayatollah of Iran? There's no difference ideologically. And we do see these episodes of violence, but they want to paint us as the violent offenders. But there's no evidence of it. And so they're dehumanizing Donald Trump, dehumanizing you and me and anyone they disagree with. And look what the dehumanization has done with the abortion issue, right? Look, you can disagree with me about, about the abortion stuff, but please listen to my point here about that. That is a child. That is a child. 
Now, whether you agree with abortion or disagree with abortion, it is a child. But the Democrats' language is is basically, how do they talk about it? It's not a child, it's a clump of cells. They're dehumanizing that unborn life. And so people don't think twice, they feel nothing when they kill it, when they end its life. And whether you have an abortion or don't have an abortion, I don't think that should be celebrated. I think there should be some gravity to that decision, but they don't want there to be gravity. They want you to feel good and encouraged to abort a baby, to act irresponsibly to as well, which leads to a woman becoming pregnant. And now they're dehumanizing us. What's the difference? It's open season on us too because we're not worthy of life because they hate us so much, because they view us as more dangerous and evil than they do Osama bin Laden. They've created a a atmosphere of violence in which violence against Republicans and conservatives is both permissible and even encouraged. So, you know... I mean, what Trump's going to give nuclear secrets away to the what? What? What, what are they going to do with nuclear secrets? They've got nukes. What? 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 What, what is Trump going to do by by giving them nuclear secrets? You know, we didn't invent the atomic bomb today. They've got nukes, plenty of them, enough to destroy the entire planet. But anyway, that that's my fear about this cancel culture, and they're doing everything they can to suggest that we are the offenders. All right, now let's talk about this anniversary as we close out of the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. I believe that Joe Biden's presidency ended uh, with that withdrawal. I think that the withdrawal, the Afghanistan debacle, killed his presidency. He's never recovered from it. And in fact, everything displayed there, the incompetence, the lies, uh, well, that's defined his presidency as well. His presidency is defined by lies and deceit, lies and fiction. Now, while, um, you know, he announced he was going to formally withdraw our troops, I think that was what, maybe April of last year, or not last year, of... uh, yeah, of last year, April of 2021. And it wasn't going well from the beginning. The Taliban was uh, seizing more territory. And while that was happening, even as it was obvious to those on the ground in Afghanistan that things were going poorly, it was disorganized, it was chaotic, Joe Biden told the press and assured the American people that everything was going swimmingly. All according to plan, it was seamless, it was safe, it was organized. And then in August, August 26th, I believe it was, two suicide bombers killed 13 American service members, which, of course, contradicted Biden's assurances that everything was going well. And in response, Joe Biden and the Pentagon used a drone to kill what they said were high-level ISIS-K planners. Now, the New York Times reported that they blew up a car filled with explosives intended to do imminent harm to Americans at the airport as well. And none of it was true. Biden celebrated it after. He said, hey, we got more of that 
You know, you like, you know, there's more of that coming your way. More, more of that where it came from. Long day, folks. And he celebrated it, right? It was a great victory. And yet we found out a month or two later that uh, it had been a horrific tragedy mistake. Ten innocent Afghans who were aid workers, who, who worked for some organization out of California even, well, they had water in the trunk, and uh, seven children and three adults were killed in the drone strike. Innocent people. And no one has been held accountable for that. They swept it under the rug. And Joe Biden's, you know, uh, debacle was so successful that in Mar- on March 1st, when he gave his State of the Union address, he didn't even mention Afghanistan, right? His big achievement, Afghanistan. But that's the thing. His whole presidency is a failure. He left behind Americans when he said he was going to leave no Americans behind. He was going to stay there until we got them out. Well, guess what? Americans are still stranded in Afghanistan. 13 American service members are dead. And he said the war on terror, our business in Afghanistan, ended with the murder of Osama bin Laden. And yet he apparently, so they tell us, carried out a drone strike to kill al-Zawahiri, Osama bin Laden's number two, you know, more than 20 years later. But I thought our business was done, Joe, with Osama. And then you go and you kill al-Zawahiri? But that's, that's Biden's presidency in a nutshell for you. You know, he doesn't, this is the thing, he totally rejects reality. I've never seen anything like it. So, so brazen, right? I mean, he lives in an alternate reality, a fantasy land. He just says things and believes them or expects us to believe them. Yeah, uh, we're doing a great job in Afghanistan. Everything's going well. You know, and he said, hey, see, he said, uh, even though his, his, his head general, the U.S. Army general leading the forces in Afghanistan, well, you know, that general warned and said that the Taliban was taking over Afghanistan, and they were going to take Kabul. It was going to fall. And even after he said that, and he's there on the ground, Joe Biden went to the press and said, no, it's not inevitable that they take over. Sure enough, they did. Sure enough, they did. And he's never, ever mentioned those 13 precious lives that were lost. He just ignores it. And they're going to try and spin this now because they can't ignore the one-year anniversary of that botched withdrawal. So anyway, all right, this is Drew Allen. God bless you all, and until next time.